game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. On the right wing point across to Yandel. On the left to Giroux. To Yandel, one-timer saved by Koskinen. The rebound went just wide of the net after it hit Van Riemsdyk. Farabee tries to get a free does to Giroux. Back to the blue line. Provorov will shoot it. That one just steered aside by Koskinen. The wraparound saved by Koskinen off of Farabee. Puck gets in front of the net. Oh, the save made by Koskinen. Atkinson got the puck right between the hash marks off the draw. And a big save by Koskinen. Miko Koskinen is hot. He gets the victory. He gets the shutout. 39 saves. As the Edmonton Oilers beat the Philadelphia Flyers 3-0 tonight, Koskinen rolling lately, 7-0-1 in his last eight starts. This is his sixth career shutout, and those were his saves of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Oilers are now 2-2 two and two with a game to go on their five-game road trip for the season. They are 30 21-3 and three. at the moment. They are ahead of Vegas by a point. For third in the Pacific Division, the Golden Knights still play tonight and we'll update the full scoreboard as we move along here on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line as we bring Rob Brown into the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Well, Rob, a lot to talk about. I, I think there were a few players that had pretty good games for the Oilers. I think there were some parts of their games uh, that struggled. So we'll talk about all that. But Koskinen was spectacular obviously on saturday this game quite not the this uh, quite not quite the same as that but still a very very strong performance by costman it was and it's kind of funny isn't it reed that uh, there was a stretch during the season where miko koskinen was the story and now there's a stretch during the season where miko koskinen is the story he went through a really tough time and had media had fans everybody all over him and People wanting him traded, wanting him sent to the minors. Uh, coach threw him under the bus after a game, yet he just continued to go about his business. And now uh, he's the guy you want in your net. He's playing so well. Um, it wasn't as busy a night as it was against the Florida Panthers, but in a close game, and this was close throughout, uh, those simple saves that he makes, those ones that keep it either at the point, keep it a one goal game and two, never allowing the Flyers back when the Oilers got up two, uh, it just gave this Oilers team confidence. It was a sloppy game by the Oilers. They gave up a too many odd men against uh, and got beat sometimes down low. And they did, Koskinen was there to bail him out. So uh, good on Koskinen because he's in a stretch right now where He's played as good as he has as an Edmonton Oiler, and the Oilers are needed it here right now as they're desperate for points. All right, 3-0, the Oilers win it. Let's go back to Philly, and here is Miko Koskinen. Miko, you were coming off one of your best starts of the season from a few nights ago, and you followed up with a, another stellar performance tonight. Just maybe take us through your night and how you were feeling out there. Yeah, I think we played uh, like really, really well like defensive-wise, like winning we gave them a shot, but they all came like kind of like outside, and uh, we did a good, good job with the boxing boxing them out. And uh, I think it all started with um, big five and three, five and three kill. So I'm super happy for the boys. They, they did an unbelievable job. I know on Saturday you said you're only focused on the wins, not the stats. And in your last eight starts, you have seven wins and one overtime loss. To be able to deliver results for this club at an important time of the season where you guys are fighting for a playoff spot. Just maybe take us through what that means to you personally. Yeah, it's everything. It's about winning. You either win or lose the game and two points or zero points. So I think it's pretty pretty clear. I'm a, I'm a team, team player. I don't I don't care about the stats anymore. I'm all too old anyway. So it's I'm here to, here to win the games and hopefully something bigger. It seems like you're tracking the, pel uh, the puck exceptionally well. Uh, is there something that you've maybe switched or changed about your game or your approach to the game at all? Uh, not really, you know, we... Uh, it's tough to say. I think we, the whole team is playing like so well and um, when the team is playing well, usually the goalies are looking good too. So it's, um, 
it's like 20 guys out there who's playing well and not only the goalie or a couple of guys, it's everyone and that's the, that's the biggest thing when we're moving on. Do you feel more confident just in your general level of play right now than you have at any other point this season? Yeah, I've been feeling like pretty good the whole, whole year, but um, always when, when you're winning games, the confidence is going confidence is going higher, and um, right now we'll be winning and um, try to keep it that way. Do you remember if there any shots that were difficult tonight, or any difficult, or you thought it maybe was pretty routine for you tonight? I would say it was pretty pretty routine. They had like a couple of good looks, but I. They just mishandled the box or something. Something happened in the end. So, uh, like I said, our our whole five guys did like a really great job in front of me. All right, that is Miko Koskinen. The shutout victory tonight. Edmonton beats Philadelphia three nothing. I like that, Robbie. He said he's too old to care about the stats. <laughs> well, it's funny. You do get that as you get older. It becomes less about individualism and it becomes more about team. Uh, you start to realize the importance uh, of winning and the importance of being a good teammate. And um, you just mature into that kind of player. Like, all right, whatever it takes to win. Okay, I need to do this. All right, I'll go and do this. And you see great players. When they first started in the National Hockey League, uh, there's, there's more of an emphasis on stats simply because that's what they're supposed to do. But as they get older and start to realize, okay, but I want to win now, they become better defensive players. Uh, you see them become penalty killers. They block shots. Uh, they make safer plays. And then they become champions. So I think even a goaltender, he, he understands what his goal is. His goal is to win hockey games. At the end of the night, whether it's 8-7 or 2 nothing, he did his job if he's got a W beside his name. Well, and, and he is, uh, I mean, he's been an Oiler three and a half seasons. Uh, so he, we've talked about him a lot over the years. And here's the thing. We, we've seen him play well. We've seen him play well for mm -hmm. stretches. The the reason he gets uh, Oilers fans a little nervous and, um, you know, I've had guys who have texted and called into my show Inside Sports and said he's not even an NHL goalie. And I've said, okay, well, they'll settle down. I've always said he's probably a good backup. The, mm -hmm. the challenge for Koskin is that, his off nights at times aren't okay. He was, you know, he was he was off, but he still gave us a, an average start or maybe just slightly below average. The fear is he has some bad nights uh, where he does look quite poor. But this is a great, great streak for him. Like I said, 7-0-1 in his uh, last eight starts. And, and we talked about it after one of the periods, Rob. He never, he, he's, you know, when he has those off nights, he looks... He's swimming. He almost looks a little lost in the net. I, I thought he just looked totally in control tonight. Like, always knew where the puck was, always knew where the play was going, and was just very sharp. I agree. I think true starters in the National Hockey League, the good ones, they have off nights, too, where they're absolutely horrendous. But those are few and far between, and they rebound very quickly from them. They have very short memories. I think when Koskinen has a bad night, there's sometimes it's there's another bad night that follows, and good starters don't do that. And, yeah, he was in control tonight. And I think the word I think of uh, when he's off is scattered. And, and pucks, instead of him stopping them, he blocks them. So all of a sudden, the, he blocks this, the puck, but it bounces into a bad spot. Now they get a chance. Now there's a scramble in front. And tonight, there wasn't a whole lot of that. So it, it's a nice run. Um, you wonder if this run as of late and if Smith can have another good game, uh, maybe quiets the noise about trading for a goalie at the deadline. Because um, Koskinen is on a great run. Smith put together a, a good last game, but he needs more consistency in his game. But it, the Oilers are getting the starts right now that they need as they continue to fight for that playoff spot. And with only, I don't even know, what is it, nine games, eight games before the trade deadline, each goalie is probably going to have four starts before that. And you'll see if there's a need for Ken Holland to go out and get another goaltender. Yeah, well, and I wonder what they do on uh, on Thursday now in Chicago. I mean, you would think with the games this week, it would have been easy to think, okay, one guy is going to start two, the other guy will start one. Um, I, I, and I know they always say, well, we'll see how the goalies feel, we'll see what the goalie coach says. But I do think they have sort of short-term plans where they think, this is probably going to be the starter, and then this game will probably belong to this guy. So I wonder what they'll do Thursday against Chicago. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, they got then they got the game on home ice uh, Saturday. Is it Saturday against Montreal? Yep. 
who's playing much better. So if you're going to go, okay, we're going to play the stronger goalie against the better team, then you go Smith against Chicago and you go Koskinen versus Montreal because Montreal is playing much better. I think they, they're down 5-4 last I saw in Winnipeg, but they're scoring goals. So yeah, I think you look into that, which team does better. But having said that, Koskinen's having a, a great year on the road, even through his struggles. He's had a very good road record. So do you throw him in in Chicago because he's on the road? It's hard to say. I, I, I think based on how Koskinen's played of late, uh, you feel comfortable playing him against anybody. Uh, you just want to know if whether you're going to give Smith. They got to find out if Smith can play. They got to find out if they can have a tandem because I think they love what Koskinen is doing and would love to have that kind of effort in the playoff. But do they want him to run the entire playoff? And we've seen in the past that when Miko Koskinen plays too much, he's not as good. Yeah, that's a great point, Rob. But he's very good tonight as the Oilers win 3 nothing over the Philadelphia Flyers. The goal scorers, Dreisaitl is 37th on the power play. Yamamoto jammed in his 11th in the second period, and McDavid sealed it with uh, an empty netter. Carter Hart, the Sherwood Park native, takes the loss for Philadelphia. He allowed two goals. As, uh, as I said, the last one was an empty netter. So he stops 29 out of 31 tonight. The Flyers' record for the season sinks to 16, 27, and 10. Okay, let's go back to Philly. Here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. You guys were looking to get back in the win column. You guys accomplished just that. How did you break down tonight's win? Well, I thought it was a strong hockey game. Um, we scored goals in different fashions. Uh, obviously, the power play came up big at the end of the first period after we had a great five-on-three penalty kill. Um found a way to score a real um, May June type goal at the end of the second period there that I think is bodes well for us as we move forward and then I thought we played a really mature third period I thought uh, uh, we did some things uh, very well tonight there are some areas that we got to continue to clean up but there's a lot of lot to like and a lot to build on uh will mentioned he lost a little bit of money uh in terms of a big game for him and putting money up on the board uh what how special is it for a guy to come into an arena where he was drafted and especially a franchise cornerstone like Drysdale, and for him to deliver probably arguably your best skater tonight yeah i mean uh leon came up with some big plays for us tonight and that was a big factor in our win so i'm happy for him that uh we got the win in this building i know you talked extensively about uh, Koskinen on Saturday, but kind of another big story again yeah. tonight. Yeah, I thought uh, in, in, they had they had some shots from outside and outside the blue line and all all that kind of stuff. But when called upon, uh, Miko came up big. Um, I think he's inspiring a lot of confidence in the group, and um, made the right save at the right time. Happy for him. Jay, how have you noticed the changes in your team since you took over? as the head coach well i think it's only fair for me to talk about since i have uh, uh been the head coach here over the last three weeks or so and um we've asked our players to really uh, up their level of work uh to to really increase our work rate specifically working back to our own end and um i've just been so impressed with uh the level of dedication the level of work um that our players are demonstrating on a night night in night out basis we're over that you know we have a good record over that time but even in some of the the games that we didn't win we did a lot of really good things i think we're working our way towards um creating a playing identity that uh will will last over uh the tough times and um you know, that's a full credit to the buy-in and work ethic of our players because it's been elite. You talked this morning about Koskinen and confidence. Yep. Do you notice the guys having that confidence in him now that when he's back there, you know, you're gonna, you guys are going to get the better play. You guys are going to get this kind of play that he's capable of doing this on a night-by-night basis? Well, I would say that I think our players and the coaching staff and the people in our room all have confidence in all of our goaltenders number one uh, and then the second thing I would say is that Miko's been playing uh, very well for a long period of time here it, it's not just over the last few weeks uh, before um, before the break he had put up some good numbers and it, through no fault of his own he ended up on COVID protocols uh, but he worked his way
way back into um, game shape, and uh, you know, in the three games that I've seen him play here, he's he's been excellent, and I do think he isn't inspires confidence in the team, um, and uh, he's been a big factor in those three wins that he's that I've seen him uh, personally. Tonight that they didn't have a lot of good chances on your on your on your team. Yeah, well, you know, I thought they ended up with a lot of shots on net, um, but in terms of quality of chance, um, we did a lot of good things. I thought the biggest chances that they had either came off face-off wins or uh, off our stick, either us trying to pass through people or maybe a turnover in the offensive zone. Um, those are the things that I think we can continue to improve at. Uh, but when you uh, win a game 3 nothing on the road in a tough building, I think uh, it's a total team effort. So our players should be proud that everybody contributed to a full 60 minutes. You mentioned the Yamamoto goal. Is it nice to see him, A, back in the lineup, and B, being able to have make that kind of play in that situation? Yeah, he's a, he's a important piece of our team. Uh, not having him in Carolina, um, that hurt us. Uh, but we had some good people come in and, and rise to the occasion when he wasn't in the lineup. But um, Yamo gives us uh, energy on the four check. Uh, he's a dogged uh, back checker. We're just just relentless on the back check. Um, I think he's underratedly underrated physical. Uh, I said we saw a big hit tonight that he finished a check on, and uh, I just think he has a high high hockey IQ and is uh, willing to pay a price to score. You don't go to where he went to to get that goal unless you're brave, unless you're um, willing to pay that price, and he sure was tonight. Jay, going back to Dreisaitl, it's very easy to look at him and McDavid and look at the points, but are the points just a testament of all the little things that they're committed to and doing right to win a hockey game? I, th I, I think that's where everybody goes is to the points, and they're special, special, special players just in terms of what they can do on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, what the coaching staff and their teammates get to see is how they conduct themselves behind the scenes, uh, not in the public view. And what I see is is two professionals that are dedicated to their sport. They're driven to win, and um, they're leading the way here in terms of the details required for us to win hockey games so i'm thankful they're on our team okay that's jay woodcroft Thank now you. seven and three is the head coach of the edmonton oilers who get a three nothing victory tonight over the philadelphia flyers reed wilkins and rob brown with you we were talking about miko koskinen great tonight with the 39 save shutout interesting game rob because not everything worked there were some bumpy moments and oddly enough uh, the Oilers' power play was one of them. As we check the power plays for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including their new Camrose location, check out Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. The Oilers did get a power play goal. They do go one for five, which uh, sounds good. Philadelphia 0 for 2 on their power plays, including a 51-second 5 on 3. So the Oilers' PK came through. But uh, the Oilers' power play, I mean, well, you, you can expand on this. Like, the, the players were visibly frustrated at points tonight. Yeah, they were. Uh, you don't usually see Connor McDavid going off the ice showing expression, but a couple times shaking his head as he left the ice, threw his hands up in the air, not happy with some of the decisions. And as the game went on, the Oilers made a lot of changes on their back end. You saw Barry back there, you saw Bouchard, you saw Nurse. They went a, def a bunch of different directions. Uh, they, I, th I just thought the Oilers were a little off all over the ice. That's sloppy. And you can't be sloppy on a power play because you have to have good execution. Passes have to be on. You have to make good decisions. Uh, and the thing that the Oilers didn't do, they didn't shoot enough. They only scored one goal in the power play. It was from distance. Uh, they, they passed up too many. They tried to pass it around. And when your passes are a little bit off, try to make passes before you shoot. And the fourth pass isn't very good. Well, now the puck's going down the other way. So... Uh, frustration comes in when you're an offensive player and the, the best part of being an offensive player is the power play isn't working well and frankly wasn't getting a lot of opportunities. Like they weren't getting good looks. So it boiled over, but at the end of the night, you go back into the, to the room and you, you find out what went wrong, but you feel good about the fact that you got two points in a game that you didn't play, uh, play your best. 
Okay, 3 nothing. the Oilers win it in Philadelphia. Uh, hasn't been a great stop for the Oilers. They had just one win in their previous seven visits, but they pull it out tonight. By the way, the last time they won in Philadelphia, Rob, it was a shutout. 4 nothing. March 3rd, 2016. Camp Talbot made 35 saves on that night. You can get in touch on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling system. CertainTeed Pro all the way. It's 780-496-0063. We'll call a quick timeout on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630. Back on the left wing point. Nurse has it. Across the line to McDavid. Comes down the right wing. Back to the point for Nurse. Over to Dreisaitl. Scores! Leon Dreisaitl snaps it home from the left side. It's a power play goal. That was late in the first period. Cam Moon on the call, and it turns out to be the game winner. Oilers win 3-0 over the Flyers. Dreisaitl with his 37th of the year. The Oilers are 17-0 when they score first. See, Rob, we were telling them earlier in the season. (laughs) (laughs) They just wanted to have a little bit of data to back it up. So I think once they got to 16 games, 16-0, then they felt, you know what, maybe maybe Reed was right. Maybe we should score first. Maybe maybe it's a good idea. But uh, obviously, they did have a big problem falling behind in games earlier in the season. Hasn't been too bad lately. So I'll tell you what, we're up to $17,900 donated to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given 100 bucks every time the Oilers score this season. So that is pretty cool. So Dreisaitl gets that goal. Yamamoto, the second goal, and then McDavid into the empty net. Rob, I was making notes after the game, and I, I was going to say a three-point game for Dreisaitl. They have taken away the assists on Yamamoto's goal. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that because they showed first star was Leon uh, and the one website and he had a goal and an assist. I'm like, well, no, he had three points. So I had to go back and look at the game sheet. An odd one to take an assist away on because both he and Kane both touched the puck. And no flyer uh, ever clearly had possession of the puck. No, and I saw. I have seen assist given out <laughs> for <laughs> guys being within five feet of the puck at one point. So that's that's a really odd one. I don't know if the the NHL looks at it again later or not, or if that's the final decision. But that one makes no sense at all. As two guys on the Oilers bang the puck, and Yamamoto was the last one to come in. So yeah, it makes no sense. It's it, it'll be funny if it gets to the end of the season and Leon loses the scoring title by one point, whether it's to Connor or Huberdo. You go back and look at that one there. But no, it that one I I don't understand the the logic on it. All right, so the Oilers take it 3 nothing over the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Whenever the Oilers get to five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That would allow you to turn uh, to print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. All right, we'll go to the Certainty Hotline, and uh, we'll start it off with Greg tonight. Hey, Greg, thanks a lot for calling. Hey guys, I got a couple things and I'll hang up and uh, let you guys talk, but it's nice to see a team finally shut down uh, Ryan, so that's kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the other question I have is, is that really Nico and Nett? Or, and if so, are we going 7x7 seven seven for that? Oh my goodness, he's on fire. But the golden question is, is it sustainable? That's the mm-hmm. question. Um, and and do we take the chance going into the playoffs um, that it's sustainable because history has shown and proven to us that, yeah, Koskinen, when he plays less, he's better. And, you know, we're not so sure about Smith right now. So um, what would you guys do at the trade deadline is my question. And the other question I have, um, and sorry, this might be a dumb question. Do you guys still do finish the play? Because I haven't heard that in a long time. So I'm just curious. Uh, we, we don't have it this year. No. Okay. As for your other question, uh, Koskinen has been fantastic as of late. And that's good for the Edmonton Oilers. But in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I don't think you can go into the playoffs with Koskin as, as your starter if Smith isn't playing well as well. I think they both have to be playing well. And if both if Smith plays and they get if both starters get or both goals get four more starts before the, the deadline and put together four solid starts, I could see Ken Holland say, you know what? We're not giving up our future 
uh, to get another goalie to, to have him leave at the end of the season because Smith and Koskin are both playing well. The problem comes into play if, Kosk, or if Smith struggles. Say he plays too good and too bad coming in. That's where you have to make a big decision because as good as Koskinen's been, and he has been fantastic, there's a lot of pressure on him in the playoffs because you're going to be playing, well, if he's your starter, he's going to be playing majority, if not all the games. And track record says that's when he breaks down a little bit. So I think for them to go with Smith and Koskinen, Smith has to start playing with consistency. And if they do that, then there's a chance they don't make a trade at the deadline. Yeah, I, I mean, very positive for Koskinen lately. Uh, I, I, I still think it's fair to talk about the goaltending and wonder what's going to happen, Rob. Mm-hmm. And yep. I, I mean, here's the thing. Once you get into the playoffs, it's it's the 16 best teams, right? What if you look at the other goaltenders in the playoffs and say, well, heck, the Oilers have the 16th best goaltender. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it might be good yep. enough to get you into the playoffs. Is it good enough to put together a, a playoff run? I, I still think that's going to be one of the big questions. Oh, absolutely. And then it comes, and the problem for the Oilers right now is there's other teams that are looking for a goalie. The Toronto Maple Leafs now are looking for a goaltender. Campbell's really struggled over the last two months. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, they've got a great team. The Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Lerner's out, and no one's really said how long he's out for, but he's long term injury. Uh, they're looking for a goalie because they went all in. They, they, they went and made the Eichel trade, they had the big signing of Stone, uh, Peter Angelo. So they're going to be looking for a goaltender as well. So that just drives the price up because there's more than one team looking for a goaltender. And does it drive it outside of what the Oilers are willing or can pay? Um, Le- yeah. Leonard's probably going to play tonight, by the way, Rob. Is he back? Oh, okay. But he, and he hasn't had the season that they would hoped for. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen at the deadline. But I know that the Oilers thought that they could make it through the season and the playoffs with Smith and Koskinen. This is the first time they've really both been healthy at the same time. If Smith gives them a couple quality starts before the deadline, I could see them standing pat and going with those two goalies in the playoffs. And that game's already started. Uh, Leonard is in net nine minutes in. Golden Knights leading the Sharks 1-0. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. With the win tonight, 3-0 in Philadelphia. The Oilers do jump ahead of Vegas into third in the Pacific Division. But, uh, of course, uh, Vegas currently on the ice. Back to the Certainty Hotline. Ron from Red Deer is standing by. Ron, go ahead. How are you doing? Good. I'm going to ask you just your simple opinion. Um, whom would you start for uh, in Chicago? Um, I, 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 well, uh, we, we talked about that earlier, and Reed and I said that they're both. I think they're both going to split the next two games. Uh, the bonus of playing Koskinen is he's had a fantastic road record this year. Uh, if you're going to play your better goalie against the better team, right now the Montreal Canadiens are playing much better than Chicago, so you save Koskinen for Saturday. So it's, they're both going to play a game. It's just a matter of which way you want to throw them. Okay, thank you. Who, who, who would you start, Ron? I would definitely start Koskinen and put Smith in on uh, on Saturday with uh, Mont- for Montreal. Okay, fair enough. Well, the way Smith, I mean, Smith had a really good game on Sunday. He did, yes. After he, very a couple good. of tough, tough outings. So, I mean, he was solid. He was by no means the reason the Oilers lost that game. So, both oh, no, contenders. No, no. Koskinen's having a good run. Smith, 5-7-1 and one on the season, has been very good a couple of times. I mean, we got to tell the whole story there. They're going back that game against the New York Islanders, which I know was now 10 games ago, but he was awesome that night, especially in the first period. So it's just consistency for both of them. Like we were talking about with Costin, I think the same thing applies to Smith. How poor will his off nights be? And if especially if you start poorly, I mean, some of this, some of this giving up, as we were talking about the, the, the number of times the others have been behind in games, not always on the goaltending, but some nights it has been some nights it's yeah. been one, two, three, nothing. And you're looking at it and saying, okay, they're getting outplayed, but really it shouldn't be worse than one, nothing. They should still be in the game. And instead it's virtually over. Well, and, and consistency for the amount of off games. I mean, if you're going to be a starting goaltender in the national hockey league, you can't go one on one off one on one off. That just doesn't get it done. And if you're a backup goaltender, uh, you got to give quality. So there's no, you don't have to always be like it was against the Panthers, but you always got to give them the Oilers a chance. And I think that's what's happened this year. Smith, he's had a couple of great games, but then it's almost 50-50 or even more. He's had more off games and good games. And Koskinen, he had stretches where he wasn't good. Now, in Koskinen's defense, 
most of the off games he had were when he was playing the bulk of the games. When he's just been a backup, he's been better. That's why you're a little nervous if you're going into the playoffs and Koskinen's your guy because you're expecting him to play you know, most of the games. And that gives you a little bit of nervousness if you're a fan because we haven't seen his ability to be a starter at the National Hockey League level and give you quality starts six out of seven times. So that's why the Edmonton Oilers need Mike Smith also playing well if they don't want to make a move at the deadline. Duncan Keith returned after missing nine games with an injury. He played 15-56, went plus two tonight. Brad Malone came up from the farm, played his first NHL game in almost three years. And uh, we're going to check a look, uh, take a look at his ice time here, Rob, because that was the uh, the line here for set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino excitement bet on it. I put the over under at eight minutes for Brad Malone. He is over. He plays 922. So Debbie gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. I, I will say this about Brad Malone uh, around the net a couple of times, but the hit of the game he, he oh, absolutely yes. popped zach McEwen, and and not a little guy that McEwen's huge and he came in and hit him hard i thought malone was was good uh he did not look out of place at all and apparently the coaching staff thought so too because i think he got more ice time than two of the other forwards which is surprising since he was on a minor league deal to start the year and he's only up here because of injuries but malone uh good on him his 200th game in the National Hockey League will be one that he remembers. The team won. He threw a big hit, had a couple of good chances on net, and barring something strange, has earned himself, I guess, another game come Thursday night in Chicago. Yeah, well, they don't, they don't have a lot of healthy guys. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Something strange <laughs> like happening. Something, yeah, unless something, uh, somebody is miraculously healed, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, he plays 922. He did play more than Benson, who played 830. And Devin Shore played 6:38. There, there was a lot of ice time for the big guys tonight. McDavid 23:53, Drysaitel 23:30. Hyman actually had the most ice time, 24:56, um, over six minutes on the power play for all those guys. And Evander Kane played 22 and a half minutes. He was over six minutes on the power play, so inflated a little bit because the Flyers kept taking penalties, kept taking dumb ones too. When you play against an Oiler team and you know the dangers they have with Connor and Leon and, and their power play. It's one thing if you stop a scoring chance by taking a penalty, but they took three penalties in the offensive zone, dumb one in the neutral zone, just silly penalties they didn't need to take. And uh, it cost them. When you're a team that's at the bottom of the standings, there's certain reasons why. Well, tonight we saw one of the big reasons, undisciplined and silly penalties against a team that's got a very good power play. So uh, just uh, mistakes cost teams when you're losing you find ways to lose and tonight the philadelphia flyers found another way to lose all right seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the certainty hotline we have daryl standing by hi daryl go ahead well hey guys uh yeah like uh, i was talking about the weather's right okay so yeah well what am i going to tell you is we're going to be copied by the nhl like i'm the best coach in the world i know i'm six and oh but anyway uh yeah i like to say hi out to dave samako and Peter Pocklington, uh, Glenn Sayer, and Scotty Bowman. And Dick Irvin, I went to his wedding. <laughs> but anyway, the great ones would tell you that when when you rush in on a puck, you, you, like the first guy you hit, left ring, center man, or whoever goes in first, he goes after the two. He doesn't go after one, he goes after both of them. And then the next guy follows in on him. Simple hockey guys, and all okay. the big coaches in the world would tell you that. Cool. Thanks, Daryl. We appreciate it. That's Daryl checking in, 780-496-0063. You know, hearing, hearing Daryl's uh, call there, Rob, listing off some of those names, I mean, uh, at the Kevin Lowe uh, event there, I was uh, – I was talking to Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier came up and Messier said, you know, I was talking to Wayne Gretzky and he said, you should never name drop. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I do that to my wife all the time. I was watching the Olympics and I got to golf in a golf tournament with Gord Bamford a couple of years ago and I played nine hours because it was a long day with Brad Gushu. So every time he came on and curling during the Olympics, I go, hey, honey, there's my buddy Goo. Gugu's having another great game. Look, at, She's like, if you drop his name one more time, okay, but Goo would really like to meet you sometime. <laughs> Do they call him Goo? I did. I don't know what they call him. But Goo? He, what, but he honestly, one of the nice, nickname. 
Well, Gu, that was uh, Michel Goulet, who I played with in Chicago, name drop. Um, I played with him. His nickname was Gugu. But uh, Gushu, Brad Gushu, one of the nicest people I've met. Uh, and congratulations to him on a bronze medal at the Olympics. I, I think we should challenge people here in the uh, final half hour of overtime open line from uh, 8.30 to 9. Uh, if you can keep your call to a minute or less and name drop as much as possible. <laughs> well, 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 I don't know if we can find something for people to win, but I think it'll just be fun to do that. 780-496-0063 uh, as the Oilers win 3-0. Let's quickly here, and if you are, are, are on hold, stay there. We'll get to you after the 8.30 news and weather here. Let's check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers head to EdmontonTrailer.com. The Flames looking good. 4-1 lead on the Wild late in the third. Halfway through the third, the Jets lead the Canadians 7-4. Islanders up 3-2 on the Avalanche late in the second period. First period, Vegas 1, San Jose nothing. Bruins and Ducks tied 1-1. Finals, Lightning over the Sens 5-2. Jackets over the Devils 4-3. Wings beat the Canes 4-3 in overtime. Lucas Raymond gets the game winner. And right here on 6:30, Chet, it's Edmonton 3, Philadelphia nothing with Koskinen getting the clean sheet. Back in a couple of minutes for more Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Bouchard, he can walk right in. His shot safe. by Firth, the puck, poked in. Scores! It was sitting in the crease until it was finally poked into the net. That would be Kyler Yamamoto's goal, his 11th of the season. It was Keith over to Bouchard. Drysettle got a shot from a bad angle. Kane creating havoc in the blue paint. Loose puck. And when Yamamoto is bulldozing his way for a loose puck, Rob Brown, good luck trying to stop him. <laughs> I mean, they're in there. They got four or five guys trying to wrestle Evander Kane, and then out of the blue just pops uh, Yamamoto. He can't, it's like one of those running backs in, in football that's just a little smaller in all those big defensive ends and offensive guards, and they just sneak through there because no one can see them, and he just snuck in there, got in the dirty area and pushed the puck over top of the, the goal line, and to me, that was the game. Uh, once they extended their lead to 2 nothing. It was just too much of a hill for the Flyers to overcome. And uh, the Oilers, I thought the Oilers played better in the third period, got away from the sloppiness, but that was a huge goal. The 2 nothing goal was the difference in this hockey game. You, you, you would have challenged that if you were Philly? Because I, 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 I would have challenged enough it. there to challenge. I, well, the, the, I went back and watched it again. Um, Vander Kane's stick gets caught in the goaltender Carter Hart stick and knocks it out of his hand. And he didn't have a stick there for the next four seconds when the goal went in. And Evander Kane was in the blue paint when he did it. So to me, it's worth a challenge. I mean, that once you fell down, fell behind 2 nothing, you're not coming back. They just, the Philadelphia Flyers don't come back. They proved it all season long. Uh, send a message to your team that you're fighting for them. Uh, it's not, it's not like you're going to uh, lose points and it's going to affect your standings. Go out and show the team that you care. And, and to me, it was it was worth looking at. And there was not even consideration. So, uh, yeah. See, to me, it would, to me, it wasn't because I don't think there was enough clear there that Kane did something that caused the stick to come out because well, he's battling Kane, with, with the other player. It, well, Kane's stick was in there and it turned, and that's when the stick came out of his hand, Carter Hart's hand. So, to me, it's worth it. You, just, I mean, you're down two nothing. I mean, big deal, two nothing, three nothing. If you don't win the thing, but I thought it was worth worth the call. We've seen weirder things when it's come to uh, uh, goals overturned over the course of the, f the years we've been together. Uh, to me, it was a missed opportunity for the Philadelphia Flyers. All right. Well, the Flyers can't beat Miko Koskinen tonight. 39 save shutout for Miko as the Oilers win it 3 nothing over the Flyers. And Edmonton's record is now 30-21-3. We'll go back to the CertainTeed hotline. Gary is standing by. Hi, Gary. Hi. How are you guys? Good. I have a question comment that might be bordering on the sacrilege, but in my opinion, in the last, uh, maybe since the Christmas, I don't think McDavid has been playing up to his standards. I noticed that when he carries the puck down the ice, he loses it a bit more. His passes aren't quite as crisp. And maybe I'm being picky, but do you guys see that? Uh, well, I, I don't think you're being sacrilegious, Daryl, but I'll agree with you that you're, uh, Gary, but I'll agree with you that you're being picky. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, he is leading the NHL in scoring. Yeah. 
I know, but you've watched him play. I've watched him play since he got here, and something just seems off a bit. You know, maybe 10, 15%, but I don't know. I don't, you know well, there was... I, there was Sorry, that they, they did say it was on the ESPN. I believe it was the ESPN broadcast at the all-star game. One of the commentators okay. made a reference to him possibly having a knee injury. Now, nobody in Edmonton has spoken about that. He's, he's never okay. spoken about that. Um, I, I mean, if you're suggesting he's losing the puck, then I guess maybe that wouldn't hurt your knee. Um, no, the one thing though, Reed that, and I'll give the caller here credit for seeing there's been, I've seen over the course of Connor's career here, he can go weeks without making a pass that doesn't go tape to tape. Like, it is uncanny, his ability to make the perfect pass every time, whether it's a five-foot pass, 20-foot, or a long stretch pass. And there have been a few games, and there was the, the ugly one against Florida. They won, but it was ugly, where there was a lot of plays from a, a number of players, but Connor was one of them that the passes went askew. And you didn't normally see that. Now, that would have nothing to do with a knee. That's, uh, I think players are, are trying to do their best to watch video and see his tendencies and hope that they can stop him somehow or slow him down. They're never going to stop him. Um, I, I, I think, I don't know if, if I would say that he's, he's off, but there are, there are moments where he almost looks just superhuman instead of, a superhero i mean right uh, he's le again i mean it's it's good when you can say oh you know me he might not be on i know he's leading the league in scoring but he, he might be just you know slightly off but there have been games where his passes are he's, he's at a 92 percent rate whereas opposed to the normal 99 to 100 percent rate that we've seen in the past uh, McDavid tonight, like I said, plays 23-53 goal and an assist. He had seven shots on goal, goes eight out of 17 in the faceoff circle for 47%. The Oilers did lose the faceoff battle tonight, just barely uh, 47% for the Oilers. Dreisaitl had an unusually tough night. He, he won nine out of uh, 24 to go 38%. Oh, Brad Malone, 4-0 in the face-off circle. You know, they were using him wrong night. all year long. He should have been up nice here. Contribution. Physicality, he's winning face-offs. But in one thing, too, that I saw later in the game, Malone was out on the ice in the last, I don't know, was it five minutes, four minutes of the game in a shutout on the road? Yeah, and, he, and he put a, I think he put a line of condors out there after the empty netter. Well, yeah, which is nice, but that one, that, yeah. yeah, but that one really doesn't mean anything in the game, but the fact that he put him out with four minutes to go in a two-goal game, it's like, good on him. And at the very end of the game, and this is what you've, which you, you can see the difference between this coaching staff and Manson on the back end. The very end of the game, they had Lagason out there with Nurse, which, I mean, there's a young guy that couldn't get in the lineup most of the times with Dave Tippett in a very close game. He's out on the ice. So, and, and I, I give credit to him because there were things said by his agent that puts way too much pressure on the player mm -hmm. that were in a negative light. But he bided his time, Lagason, and he's come. And since uh, the coaching staff has changed, Lagason's been one of the guys that's benefited, and I thought he's played very well, had another strong game today. That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line. Oilers win 3 nothing in Philadelphia. We also have Jason on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Jason, you're on with Robin Reed. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, I was just wondering what, what you guys thought. Once uh, everybody gets back healthy, um, where does Cassian fit in? Because his reluctance to play the way that he can to be an effective guy and an actual game changer, to me, it just seems like he doesn't even fit in the lineup anymore at all. I think they'll question. put him back in the lineup, but I, I think he'll be a fourth liner because mm -hmm. I think if Nuge, now we don't, Nuge is out week to week. Cassian might be back before him, but I, I would think you would want to put Fogle and Nuge and Ryan together, back together. Yeah, they've had uh, to split no, them up no, in the injuries. No, I don't agree with that. Not when they get all healthy. Pugliarvi will be there. No, I said Fogle. Ryan and Nugent Hopkins. Yes. Who am yeah, I missing? Well, well, Pugliarvi would be, where do you no, have Pugliarvi? No, but then Hyman then? goes back to the left side and Pugliarvi goes on the right side with McDavid. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I like McLeod up in the in the top six, the way he's been playing. I, but it was well, a go, a good when point. It, yeah, they bumped McLeod way down. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think Ryan goes back to your fourth line. when it's In a perfect world, if you can have Ryan playing the way he is, playing on your fourth line, that's good. I do believe Cassian will be fourth line at best. 
the problem with, with Zach is, it, well, hey, he's got the same thing that we've seen with the goaltending this year. When he's good, he has great games, but the consistency isn't there. And when he's off, he's really, really off. And I think that's been something that's plagued him uh, for the last couple of years here in Edmonton. He's got the ability to change the game. He's got something that, uh, that the Oilers desperately need. You just don't see it on a consistent basis. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, mm -hmm. And now, of course, it's rare that all 14 forwards you'd like to have on your NHL roster are healthy at the same time. So obviously things keep moving around. But I, I mean, I think the way that Shore is being used, he would be probably a 13th forward, like usually a scratch. And so will Benson. Staff. And so will Benson. Benson. And Malone, yep. as much as we credit Malone for what he did tonight and his overall effort, he probably goes back to Bakersfield at some point. Yep. Yeah. So... Yeah, you made a good point though about McLeod. I kind of, I, I kind of left him out because he was playing higher in the lineup tonight. He was with uh, Benson and Ryan. But yeah, I mean Cassian. Uh, I mean he's gonna have to. Like I don't think he sh when he's healthy he should just be healthy scratch and say sorry you've been hurt so you'll get your spot no, back. No, he'll, he'll he get a shot. Yeah, I agree. It'll be fourth line though. Yeah, the problem and then here's the problem with Cassian when if you have him on your fourth line. He doesn't play on your power play, and he doesn't penalty kill. And it's hard finding ice time for guys on your fourth line if they don't do either one of those. And we see with, with you know, Benson, who got a little bit of power play time, the fourth line doesn't play very much. Even with the new coaching staff, it doesn't play. And another thing you got to look at, too, we have yet to see the coaching staff play 12 forwards. That's right. So, that's so if that's the case... If that's the case, is Cassian make your top 11? If you don't penalty kill and don't play power play, that's all. I mean, you're putting a player in there that's. If he's well, I think he would have to because because Benson really doesn't do either of those no, things. No, he I got agree. The odd power play shift. But you're you're throwing right in. You're throwing. Uh, yeah, but he's only playing Benson right now because they got no one else. Right. So when you put in Pugliarvi and Nugent Hopkins, both come back. There goes Benson and Shore, and then you got Malone. Uh, so, I mean, is is it's hard to find ice time for uh, for for Cassian if you don't play. Uh, and and the one thing that we've seen, certain veteran players, if they are sitting on the bench for long periods of time and aren't getting ice time, uh, they just seem disinterested at times. Okay, well, what if here's a big what if? What mm -hmm. if you left the top six like it was today? Fogel, McDavid, Hyman, Kane, Drysaddle, Yamamoto. And then Nugent Hopkins centered McLeod and Pugliarvi. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I guess that would make Cassian and Ryan forwards 10 and 11. Am I missing anybody? Uh, I, I don't think so. Sure. I can't Benson. remember. Uh, yeah. I think, that, I think that's everyone. But that's the problem is then he, Ryan will kill at times. Um, but Cassian doesn't do that. Now, I agree. And does Ryan he deserve to be demoted to one of the 10th or 11th forwards? given how he's playing, right? Well, yeah, but the thing is, the guys ahead of him have played well, too. So it's hard. He's not going to play ahead of Bill Pugliarvi. He's not going to play ahead of Yamamoto. And who's, a, a, who's the other right winger? Hyman? He's not going to play ahead of Hyman. Well, so yeah, Hyman can go either wing, right? Yes. Uh, the, the only player would be Fogel, but Fogel's played well, too. And I think you want Fogel in there more than Derek Ryan just for the physicality that Fogel's capable of bringing in a playoff series. Well, so that's, that's why you got him. If, that's why I'm wondering if the default at first would be to whatever Nuge is back and if everybody else is healthy to just reunite Fogel, Nugent Hopkins, and Ryan. But again, well, it depends. I guess by but the, it depends but by if the time comes Hopkins back. is healthy, though, we'll have all this other information that we're going to be yeah. making decisions on. I, I think in a perfect world, in going into the playoffs, Derek Ryan's on your fourth line. I, and I like what he's done as of late, but I think in a perfect world, you're going to have uh, Pugliarvi on your third line with Nugent Hopkins. It's not a bad third line. All right. Oilers win 3-0 in Philadelphia. You're going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl when we get back. You're listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Went off of Van Riemsdyk. Keith will get it around the boards to McDavid. He'll bring it out with the empty net. On the left side to Hyman, to Dreisaitl, to McDavid. Score! 
corners. Connor McDavid gets the empty netter to make it 3 nothing for Edmonton. That is McDavid's 29th of the season. Dreisaitl and Hyman with the helpers. It puts it away tonight in Philadelphia. Oilers 3, Flyers nothing. Here is Leon Dreisaitl. Like I said, he's, he's been great. Um, you know, um, obviously we, we need him to continue that. I'm not sure how much you think about this, but you're drafted in this building eight years ago. Is there any sort of specialty kind of coming back here? Well, other than I lost a little bit of money today, um, which which I put on the board. Um, no, I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of great memories, obviously. Um, you know, this was the first first really big day of my career and, um, you know, kind of where it all started. So, um, yeah, it was always, always great memories coming back here. A lot of external noise about maybe you guys need a goaltender. You guys have always trusted in, in Koskinen. Is it nice that maybe people are going to start realizing that he's a guy that you guys can depend on, that this team can rely on moving forward? Yeah, I think both of them. Smitty too. Uh, Smitty was phenomenal in in, in Carolina. Um, you know, when we play that way, the way that we've been playing, that tight and tight checking, um, you know, teams teams are going to have a, a hard time scoring on us. So if we continue that, um, we get all the trust in the world in both of those guys. Can you also talk about the uh, defense not giving up too many uh, secondary shots with Koskinen? Make a save, they pretty much clear it out. Yeah, there's, it seems like there's no rebounds uh, coming from him, and, and that's obviously uh, a big, you know, uh, that's, that's usually where you create chances when rebounds are happening and, and you go lateral or whatever it is. Uh, that's how you, how you create, um, and he just gobbles it up right now. So um, he's, again, like I said, he's been amazing for us. All right, that's Leon Dreisaitl talking about Miko Koskinen. 39 save shutout. Really good game for Koskinen coming off that spectacular performance in the win over the Florida Panthers on Saturday. Rob, we should just touch on something else that happened in this game. Um, Kyler Yamamoto was called for high sticking, Travis Konechny. <laughs> on the replay, it was uh, Provorov stick that hit Konechny. And I know people have probably seen in other games, they have reviewed high sticking penalties but they can only do that if it would have been a double minor or a major so actually they, it would have been it would have been better if connectney would have been cut and not given up that's funny i was just i was just thinking the same thing you were saying yeah, it would have been better if he was cut open then they would have had to have looked at it um it's funny there was a couple play high sticks that they missed uh, and then the one that they catch was the one that was uh, his own player fouling him. It happens. It, usually you see that happen every, you know, 15, 20 games. The, the ref will call the wrong guy. Uh, it's, it's just unfortunate. And But when it's when you're all tangled up and the referee's kind of trying to get out of the way, you see a stick come up, uh, it's hard not to make that call. So it was tough on, on for Yamamoto there. But the problem was that Mikko Kos Koskinen compounded the, 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 the error by the referee by throwing the puck over the glass. And yep. now you're killing off a 5-on-3. Now good on Koskinen because he was outstanding on that 5-on-3. I thought the Philadelphia Flyers moved the puck around great and got a bunch of good chances on the 5-on-3. And Koskinen stood tall. And when you make a mistake, you always are trying to make amends. And Koskinen certainly did on that kill. But that the game could have changed. If the Flyers score on that power play, the game could have changed. But, yeah, it was uh, an odd one for Yamamoto. The problem is, too, is I don't think Yamamoto knew because there was just a tangle and sticks were going everywhere. And Yamamoto went to the bench without a single complaint. So the ref at that point probably thought he made the right call. Dry settle, Yamamoto and McDavid score. Koskinen gets the shutout. Oilers beat the Flyers 3-zip. Get more on the game on globalnews.ca or 630chet.com. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer from noon to 2 tomorrow. All have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Have a great night.